You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Early on in the quarantine, I was staying in the house and a little stressed out about all that was going on in the world, so I dealt with it in a couple of different ways. One, I started comfort eating. Anybody besides me comfort eating during quarantine? So quarantine wasn't so good for my weight. In fact, I could totally relate to some of the quarantine memes that were going around, you know, like the little horsey, big horsey meme. But the second thing I did when I was stressed was I started working more. Anybody besides me work more when you get stressed? And I started working more to adapt our church to the new normal that we were all experiencing And at first, I was energized by the challenge of recreating our church expression to help the crisis. But then I noticed that I was starting to lose emotional energy. I started feeling sluggish. It was affecting my emotions in a negative way. So part of what was frustrating to me was that I was doing well in all the emotional gauges except for one. (laughs) And that's when it dawned on me what the problem really was. The problem was physical, my physical body and how I was treating it. Now, I almost said the problem was not spiritual, but physical. But the reason that I can't say it that way is because in the Bible, the physical is spiritual. Did you catch that? In the Bible, the physical is spiritual. Now, pastors like me can tend to over-spiritualize physical health, but in the scriptures, it's clear that God wants us to care for our bodies. More on this in a minute. In case you uh, are tuning in for the first time, you're a first-time City Tribe watcher, we've been in this teaching series called Check Your Emotional Gauges. So let's review the five gauges. Gauge number one is your relationships. Gauge number two is your worship. Number three is your body. Number four is your finances. And then number five is nature's medicine. And each week, I've been encouraging you to check in with someone else, asking them the five questions. So we've said, pick two or more other people to be what we're calling your emotional health support team. You just get together, however you're comfortable, to check in with each other. And if you haven't already done so, by now, it's like that meme with the woman yelling at the white cat. You know, the woman yelling is me, Pastor Doug. I told you to set up your emotional health support team. And some of you are like the white cat, and you're saying, I'll get around to it later. Well, today, we're talking about gauge number three, your physical body. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about how we treat our bodies. Sometimes... When we study the Bible, it's helpful to drill down on one story or one passage. And then there are other times, like this week, it's helpful to get up to a 30,000 feet view and look down on the whole of Scripture and see the big picture of what the Bible teaches on a particular subject. So as I look at the big picture view of how God wants us to treat our physical bodies, I think it can be summed up in this way, and that is be a wren. An R-E-N. You say, what's a wren? Well, it's not like a wren in Stimpy, and it's not like a Kylo wren, but a wren is someone who is willing to do three things. Rest, exercise, and nourish their physical body. So with that in mind, 
I think we need to make this declaration. You can make it out loud with me if you'd like to. I choose to rest, exercise, and nourish my body. Let me say it again. I choose to rest, exercise, and nourish my physical body. So how about right now you tag someone you know that already takes care of their physical body or someone that you want to, you, you know, you want to challenge them to care for their physical body and say in the comments, be a wren and tag them there. But before you roll your eyes at me and say, oh, great, you know, now the pastor is going to gripe at me and tell me I need to get all healthy and quit eating everything that I love to eat. Let me just tell you why all this matters. Because the Bible teaches us that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And that means there is a connection between our relationship to God and our worship and our physical health. In addition, this matters because God has a great plan for you. And those of us that care about you, we want to see you live longer. And we want to see you fulfill all that God has planned for you. And your physical health is holding you back. In addition, I'd like you to consider making an adjustment of just one of these areas of health. We're going to give you a lot of information today, and we're going to talk about three different areas uh, of your health. So just pick one and focus on one. If you're like me, I'm bombarded with messages all week long, and it's hard for me to remember them all, let alone apply them all. So just pick one area of health that you would like to apply for your life Today, So let's look at the first one. The R in Ren stands for rest. Now, could it be that quarantine is God's way of saying to some of us that it's time to take a rest? All throughout the Bible, God gave us the instruction to take what's called a Sabbath or a day of rest. Now, some of us, we tend to wear the seven-day work weeks and sleepless nights like badges of honor, displaying our hectic and busy schedules, and we think that it gives meaning to our lives, significance to our lives. But overworking is not significance. Connecting with God and obeying God is significance. And there are a couple of relationships to Sabbath rest that some people have. The first relationship to Sabbath that some people are what I'm going to call the slackers. And the slackers are people who use the idea of Sabbath to justify laziness. And people who are slackers often are restless and anxious kinds of people from doing nothing. And so to take a Sabbath assumes that you've already had a good week's work. So it's time for some who are slackers to get off your butt and get a job, get off the video game console or the social media and be a grown-up and go to work. Now, I'm not trying to be mean to people who are struggling finding work. If you're looking for work, that's great. Man, keep looking for work, and God in His time is going to provide you with the right job. Now, look at the second relationship that people have to Sabbath, and that's what I'm going to call the workaholics among us. And these are folks, and you know who you are, you get no rest, you work way too much. You just keep working, 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 working. And perhaps the thing that God's speaking to you today is that it's time to give it a rest. Now, in the Bible, there were a couple of Jesus contemporaries or a couple of groups there that were always uh, creating tension with Jesus. They were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And some of these people were overly legalistic about what you could do on the Sabbath day of rest. 
Now, one time Jeannie and I took a trip to Jerusalem and we noticed uh, on the Sabbath day, we got into one of the elevators and it stopped at every single floor. So you wouldn't have to push a button on the Sabbath day. I thought that's not a lot of work, you know, to push a button on the Sabbath day. But that experience gave us just a small window into the legalistic mindset of the religious types in Jesus' day. They didn't like Jesus because he didn't apply the Sabbath laws the way that they did. So I want you to listen to how Jesus talked to these religious people about Sabbath rest in Mark chapter 2. Look with me at verse 27. He says, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He is Lord even over the Sabbath. Well, you know what Jesus did next after he spoke this verse? Jesus healed a man's withered hand on the Sabbath day. And this really angered the legalistic religious guys because they were so blinded by their view of Sabbath. All they could see in the miraculous healing was Jesus was working on the Sabbath day. Dude, a miracle just happened. Open up your eyes and see the miracle of God, even if it happened on a Sabbath day. The Pharisees had a problem in their system of interpretation. So let me show you what I mean by that. What do you do if two of your Torah interpretations contradict each other? Now, here's an example of it. Circumcision was to be done on baby Jewish boys on the eighth day. What do you do if you have to perform a circumcision, which is work, on that eighth day? So what if the eighth day and the Sabbath are on the same day? You're going to have a contradiction there. Let me tell you how Jesus dealt with these types of contradictions or conflicts. Jesus' way of interpreting Torah was with a principle called the preservation of life. The preservation of life. So, if you have to work on your personal Sabbath day to save a life, you do it. Don't be legalistic. Save the life. If someone's having a heart attack right in front of you, and it's your personal Sabbath, you get up and you help them. You save the life. Let me show you another application of this. If you're constantly violating Sabbath to make more money and close more deals, stop it. It's taking your life. Here's how. Richard Stevens, cancer researcher of University of Connecticut, he found this link between sleep deprivation and increased risk of cancer. A University of Pennsylvania study showed people awake for 19 hours scored worse on performance tests and alertness scales than rested people who were legally drunk. Did you catch that? If you've gone without sleep, you're worse off than someone who's drunk. So what does this Sabbath idea mean for you and I today? Should we rest on Sunday, Saturday, any day? Well, remember Jesus' principle not to be legalistic about it. Remember, he said, Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. And I like the principle of Pete Scazzaro, who says, for me, this means stopping from Friday night at 7 p.m. to Saturday night at 7 p.m. I avoid the computer, emails, and church-related work. So you have a 24-hour period that you set aside each week to 
create Sabbath rest and margin. Create a Sabbath that works for your life rhythms. Now, some people are able to build rest into their daily schedules, and that's good. I took a few trips to minister in Brazil some years ago, and the Brazilians would stop whatever they were doing from noon until 2 p.m. each day and take a siesta. Businesses shut down, stores closed, schools let students and teachers go home, and those Brazilians would go home. They ate leisurely lunches with their families, and they talked about their day, and some took naps. Now, growing up in America, I had heard about siestas before, but I had always viewed siestas as a lazy man's way of avoiding a hard day's work. So when the Brazilians wanted to stop all their work for a siesta, I thought, these poor misguided people, they shut down the whole city right in the middle of the day. What kind of society is that? Yet, as I observed these Brazilian people enjoying their daily siestas, planning downtime into their daily lives, I became acutely aware of my American arrogance. And I realized that those people had something that I lacked and I desperately needed. Those poor misguided people, they had rest and I didn't. And that point was punctuated shortly thereafter uh, when after I took a Brazil trip and then I, I got home and I took another trip to Eastern Europe and I had this flight coming back from Eastern Europe to get back home and I was to teach here at church that same morning. And I was so jet lagged and tired. The teaching here at church was awful that day and my speech slurred like a drunk person, just like the study that I referenced earlier. So maybe I needed to learn from my brothers and sisters from Brazil that I needed rest. And so I want you to think about a practical application for you today regarding rest. The best thing that some of you could do in response to this teaching is to take a nap today or go to bed early tonight and get some rest. Take a nap and sleep to the glory of God, right? So just post in the comments, I'm taking a nap in Jesus' name today. So I'll have more to say about rest later on because there's something causing our sleeplessness and overworking that affects our physical health and our spiritual lives. So I'll get to that in just a minute, but the E in Ren stands for, this number two, exercise. And I get this from 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 8. It says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So this verse says, what we taught last week, that gauge number two, worship, is by far the most important of the gauges. Yet, if you come away from this verse thinking it's somehow denigrating physical training, you miss the whole point. The verse says that physical training is good and it benefits you in this life. In fact, I believe that exercise helps you more effectively live this life, serve others, do your job, serve your family, and store up rewards for the afterlife. And like I told you earlier, I was not treating my body well during the first part of quarantine. So I had to change my exercise habits. Basically, to exercise at all was the change of habit. I needed to start exercising. So what I did was I read this really great book on changing habits. Perhaps you've seen it. It's Atomic Habits by James Clear, where he says, to start a good habit, 
you have to do four things. Number one, you make it obvious. So to make it obvious, uh, I got my exercise equipment out of the closet and I put it out where I couldn't miss it. But number two, make it attractive. So I put it in a room in my house that's aesthetically pleasing to me. So I made it easy to find and uh, I made it in a great place. But look at number three, make it easy. Uh, I didn't want to put a heavy burden to try and be like Jason Momoa and do some crazy workout to get huge. Um, I did a workout that was doable and I'm increasing the intensity as I go. But number four, he says, make it satisfying. So each time I finished a round of four exercises, I got to check off a box, take a drink of water, which was satisfying for me. So applying this method has helped me over the past two months to stick with my workouts at least three or four days per week. Now, everybody knows that exercise improves your mood, releases endorphins to make you feel better emotionally. What most people don't know is the far-reaching effect of physical exercise on our emotional health. According to Dr. Sarah Gingle of Psychology Today, she says increasingly robust evidence suggests that exercise is not only necessary for the maintenance of good mental health, but it can be used to treat even, look at this, even chronic mental illness. For example, it is now clear that exercise reduces the likelihood of depression and also maintains mental health as we age. Look at this next part. On the treatment side, exercise appears to be as good as existing pharmacological interventions across a range of conditions such as mild to moderate depression, dementia, and anxiety, and even reduces cognitive issues in schizophrenia. So it's saying, this lady is saying that exercise can be on the same level as meds in some cases. So in light of this truth, let's take some practical steps today and think through how we want to apply this. Do something today. For some of you, the application, the one thing you're going to focus in on is start exercising today. Maybe you need to join a gym today. You can recommend the gym that you go to if you go to a gym currently in the comments, and that might help someone else who's trying to make a decision on this type of thing. If a gym is not your thing, then you can join the church walking tribe. We'll put info about this walking tribe in the comments below. So the one thing for some of you is just take a walk today and get out and get active. Now, the N in Ren is nourish. And I think what we probably already know is that the problem for most San Antonians and people all over America is getting too much nourishment, right? So some years ago, our mayor and city leaders wisely recognized that one of the biggest problems in our city of San Antonio is obesity. And the goal was to reduce adult obesity by 10%. And I want to show you on screen a current chart from the SA2020 website. And as you look at that chart, it looks like we're not doing so well. We got close to the goal back in 2017, but by 2018, we were worse off than we were 10 years ago. And this is an issue I think that's probably on the consciousness of a majority of people on this streaming service today. We're all thinking about our physical health, 
a lot of us. And a lot of us are thinking about our diets and how we nourish our bodies. And as one of your pastors who loves you, I need you to know that I am worried about some of you. Overeating is making a significant impact on your emotional health. And God has an amazing plan for you that could be cut short because of unhealthy food habits. And the conversation that we're having today could literally save your life if you'll take it to heart. I also need to acknowledge that it's easy to be judgmental towards those who are bigger. It's also easy to be judgmental towards those who are smaller. So before we continue, let's kind of make a pledge to each other, I will not be judgmental towards those who are larger than me or those who are smaller than me. A person's size is complex. It's not as simple as looking around at who's big or who's small. I know people who are very skinny, who are unhealthy. In fact, one of my genetically skinny friends told me that when he tried to run a mile, he almost passed out when he first started exercising. Many people are thin because of their genetics, but some are very unhealthy. Then on the other side of that spectrum, Ron Williams, who authored the book Faith and Fat Loss, he said that at least 80% of individuals who are overweight or obese struggle with losing excess body fat partially because of endocrine-related issues. This includes the pituitary, thyroid, and adrenal glands. So lots of people are going to be bigger because of genetics, not because they're lazy. So today is not about being big or being small. Today is about being healthy, whether you're big or small. So what does the Bible say about nourishment, eating, and what we consume? Well, eating the wrong food was actually the first sin in the Bible. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, the woman saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame. They felt shame for their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So look, have you ever, like Adam and Eve, seen food that looked delicious? Then you ate it. Then you felt shame over how you look after you ate too much. Then you go shopping to buy fashionable fig leaves to cover over yourself because of bad food habits. And those bad food habits bring shame in your life. Now, around here we always say tribes eat, right? While it's true that tribes eat, it's also true that Satan tempts us to eat too much. The first story of spiritual warfare in the garden with Adam and Eve is a story about food. If you keep reading through Genesis, Genesis, you would see the story of Esau who gives up God's best for his life for food. Esau gave up his birthright inheritance for a bowl of stew. His hunger overpowered his willpower and, and identity. Then if you looked in the Old Testament book of Leviticus chapter 11, you would see where God gave the Jewish people dietary laws for their own health and protection. Now, I'm not saying 
we're to go back and live by the Old Testament dietary laws. Remember last week's teaching, we're under the new covenant now. What I am saying is that in the early parts of the Bible, God had something to say about how his people were to nourish themselves, the foods they would eat. He wanted them to be healthy. Then if you keep reading the Bible, you'd find Numbers chapter 11, the Jewish people had escaped slavery from Egypt, but they longed to go back into slavery because of the food they could have back there. And could it be that food leads some of us back to spiritual slavery in our lives? Well, then if you keep reading through the Old Testament, you'd see Daniel and his three friends who were told by God to avoid the king's rich foods and eat mostly vegetables. So Daniel told his supervisor in Daniel chapter one, look at verse 12. He says, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Well, if you read all of that story, you would see that after the 10 days, Daniel and his friends were healthier than the other young men there. Could it be that Daniel's spiritual gift of interpreting dreams was actually helped by his careful diet? And is there a connection between our spiritual and supernatural giftings and our willingness to pay attention to our diets? Even Jesus was tempted with food in the wilderness by Satan. Again, we see in this story, spiritual warfare connected to food. Look with me at Luke chapter four, verse three. Then the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. And if you look at all of Jesus' life, you would see that Jesus knew when to eat, when to drink, when to feast. But Jesus also knew when to fast and avoid food. Look, how much we nourish ourselves affects our physical health, but it affects our body image and our emotional well-being, how we view ourselves. Now, I saw this meme recently of a dog that makes fun of men over 35 who wear skinny jeans, you know? And then I thought about it when I was putting on a pair of my jeans and they were tighter than they had been in the past. They must have shrunk or something. But then I looked in the mirror and I realized as I'm getting older, I'm getting a little tired around my waist. And uh, some of you have noticed over the years that my eyebrows are kind of big, right? They're so bushy, they look like I rub Rogaine in them. I don't. But, uh, you know, as I age, even though my midsection changes, my legs stay freakishly skinny and bowed. In fact, I've joked around sometimes about how my college roommate used to call me parenthesis legs. Well, why is it? that when I look in the mirror, when some of you look in the mirror, we're not satisfied with what we see. Our body image comes to mind. You know, there are some guys who struggle with what's called manorexia. That's men who are trying to be overly skinny so they can look like these guys from fashion runways who call their type of look manorexic chic. In my mind, these dudes just eat, need to eat some more tacos, right? But it's not just guys who are trying to get too skinny. It's men using steroids to 
try and look like Pastor Lee when he takes his shirt off. You know, he tries to be humble about it, but we got this picture of Pastor Lee when he took his shirt off one day, and it was quite impressive. But look, we want you to eat healthy. And so for some of you, the practical application is this. Track your calories on one of those free apps. If you currently use a really good app that you want to encourage other people to use too, just post it in the comments. But maybe for you, tracking your food is the way that you can move in the right direction to nourish yourself properly. Look, do you ever feel like your body isn't good enough? Does it affect the way that you nourish your bodies? And ladies, look, I know, we all know that the standard that's been set for you in our culture in America is brutal and it's unrealistic. And if you're skinny, you drive around town and you see that butt lift billboard and you think that you've got to look bustier like Kim Kardashian. And if you're bigger, you're made to feel like you should be smaller. You know, there's one global study of women that was done by Dove indicating that only 4% of women think they're beautiful. Well, I want you ladies here at City Tribe to know you're beautiful. So why don't you tag a lady that you know in our church and just tell her, you're beautiful. <laughs> Recently, I was inspired by one of the beautiful sisters here at City Tribe Church, Angelica Reyna, whose awesome husband Ernesto and others from the tribe inspired Angelica to health. So take a look at her story by way of video. I saw an ad on Facebook. Um, it was Michelle. And she talked about foundations class, if um, you're looking to get healthy. I told Ernesto, my husband, about it, and he was interested in it too. And so I was like, well, you do it first. <laughs> and so he did, he went through the six weeks transformation and he got awesome results. I thought to myself, like, I'm not gonna be able to do this. I'm gonna end up quitting halfway. I know myself, I'm just, why am I even wasting the money? But something told me inside to, no, just do it. I ended up loving the workouts as hard as they were, as there were times where I was like on the floor breathing heavily and thinking like, what am I doing? And then afterwards I'm like, yeah, I did that. I feel, I feel like, like I can do anything. It was just, it was so rewarding. And with that, I saw my transformation. I think the, the six weeks that I did the foundations class, the challenge, I lost 13 pounds and, and like maybe seven inches, I believe. And so I kept going, coming to the workouts and I decided I want to be an athlete, an athlete. And so I, I continued it. And then I started noticing, you know, more foundation people coming in after our class. And I wanted to be someone there that encouraged them because I, I saw people that went in like me who were terrified, who didn't think they can do things. And I was like, I want to become a coach. And so I reached out to Malcolm and I told him and he said, yes. He mentioned that, you know, I'm someone that would be not perfect, but someone that people can see, hey, I started from here being as big as I was to being here, leading a class um, and being fit, you know, that's something that was really important to me and that I wanted to share with them as well. I'm 35 years old and I was able to get pregnant and have a really great, good, healthy pregnancy. And I, I attribute, you know, 
Livingstone and those workouts to being able to being healthy throughout pregnancy and even after pregnancy. For anyone who um, needs a push or some advice, I would say write down your why. Write down why you want to get healthier, why you want to take that next step into bettering yourself somewhere where you'll constantly see it and then find a community to help you get there. I'm a big advocate of Livingstone because Coach Malcolm and Michelle have just made a community of people that want to love on you and push you to your goals, but they just want to love on you and help you get to being a better version of you. And that's the community that I want to be a part of. That's why I wanted to become a coach. I made a promise to God to not only work on myself spiritually, but also to work on myself physically because I wanted to be able to, when I meet him, that I could say, hey, this is what I did with my body. This is what I did with the body you blessed me with. It's constantly a work in progress, just like walking in faith is. Angelica chose to be a wren, to rest, exercise, and appropriately nourish her body. So I choose. Why don't we all choose to rest, exercise, and appropriately nourish our bodies? I'm choosing to be a wren. Now remember earlier, I said that there is a reason that a lot of us don't rest or take Sabbath. Some of you are doing what's called striving. Here's why you can't take Sabbath very well, some of you. You're striving. You know what I mean by striving? You're scurrying around trying to get everything just right. You say, well, I got to exercise just right. Or I got to eat just right. Or I'm too big. I got to get smaller. Or I'm too small. I got to get bigger. Or I got to look just right. Look, chill. God wants you to find his rest and an appropriate rhythm for your life. Look at what Jesus said to a group of people who were scurrying around, striving, trying to get everything just right. It's in Matthew chapter 11. It's a classic text. Look at verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Some of you have a yoke on you like the wooden apparatus on the necks of these oxen that you can see on screen. You keep stacking more and more and more and more on your own emotional, spiritual load. There's a cruel taskmaster pushing you to do more, more, and more. And you know who the taskmaster is? It's you. You're taking on more of a load than you need to take on. This I have to do everything mindset has worked its way into your spirituality as well. Some of you think you have to get everything just right to earn love relationship with God. Sabbath rest is an act of faith. 
It's a way of saying, I cannot do this. I can't get everything right. God has to do it for me. That's Sabbath rest. And today is the day for some of you to take off the old yoke of this world, the yoke that says things like, I've got to get my life together before I can be accepted by God. The old yoke says, I sinned this week, so if I died right now, I'd end up going to hell. The old yoke says, I screwed up last week, so there's no way I could be a real Christian. No, 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 no. If you're a person who has believed that Jesus carried the yoke of the cross to pay for your sins, you can rest in the love of God for you. He's got you in his hand, Jesus says. And then God's got Jesus in his hands. And the Bible teaches no one can snatch you out of his hands. You're in Jesus and God's hands and you are secure there. And if you believe that Jesus carried the yoke of the cross to pay for your sins, you can say with the Apostle Paul, I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. It's not like that little girl who's pulling off the flower petals and says, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. If you believe Jesus carried the yoke of the cross to pay for your sins, it's simple. There's only one petal on the flower and it's he loves me. Would you receive that today? He loves me. Now, what I want us to do right now as we wrap up together, I want us to put on the new covenant of who we are in Christ. If you're comfortable to do so, just hold out your hands in a position to receive right now. Some of you may even want to say this out loud as you see it come up on screen and just make these declarations. My body is a temple of God. I am loved. I am accepted. I am a child of God. I am Jesus' friend. I have an inheritance in Christ. I am united with God. I am a saint. I am redeemed and forgiven. I am complete in Jesus Christ. I am free from condemnation. I am a new creation. So as a statement of faith, just type in the comments, I am a new creation in Christ. So as we end the teaching today, let's be a bunch of wrens who embrace the truth of the serenity prayer. We've done this every week during this series, and I recommend that you just slow down your mind for a minute as I speak this serenity prayer and let it land on you and give you peace and rest in your heart. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as the pathway to peace. Taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. I love you guys so much. You have an amazing week and we'll see you next time. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.